This is Radiate, the podcast that celebrates life and shines a light on life-restoring stories of organ, tissue and eye donors, recipients, and information you need to know about donation. Welcome to all of our first-time listeners and welcome back to our regulars. This is episode three of Radiate. I'm Audrey Coleman, your host, and thank you for joining us. Today's guest is Anthony Freeman. Anthony is a dedicated Aurora volunteer, and he's also a kidney recipient and athlete. He was just 15 years old when he was diagnosed with end-stage renal failure. Anthony, thank you so much for allowing Radiate to share your talk with us. Thank you guys for letting me have it. Um, So your story is just so inspiring. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us the events that led up to you learning that you would need a transplant? I used to make it a marvelous, glorious story leading up to the event. But um, in all honesty, I was just an everyday kid. I love sports. I played all different types of sports and football was pretty much my main sport. And that's where I really wanted to like progress in and everything. So I was a eighth grader at the time. And I think I was just turning 14 that season. And um. We were going up against Sylvan Hills Middle School. I, I remember vividly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't even want to talk about Sylvan Hills, but I actually went there for a second. But long story short, it was the second game of the season, a really important game. We just came off a loss, so we wanted to get it, our feet going a little bit. And um, I won the starting role. You know, um, it, it was a exciting game because my, my mom was actually there for the first time of uh, the season. So I really wanted to kind of show out a little bit. But um it was that game where, you know, I, I mean, it was fourth quarter. One of our guys got hurt and I was supposed to sit out the rest of the game. And I kind of got in just to sub a little bit, just to run the clock out and took a nasty hit the last quarter. You know, um, it was unintentional, of course. It was just freak accident and it, it sort of led to the beginning stage of end renal failure. So so at the time that you were hit, you said mm-hmm. you took a hit. Did you have any idea that it was anything other than just the normal oh, no. kind of hit you might get? On I the thought it was just anyway? like maybe a, a slight injury or mm-hmm. something, but um, just just the blackout um, on the ground and waking up with, you know, a harsh breathing. I really couldn't breathe really well at all without my internals hurting really bad. And um, I, I did not think the injury was at the extent it was at, at the time. Mm-hmm. So what happened then? What what happened to that um, informed you that the situation was much more serious than you realized? Right. So I was rushed to the hospital after the game, and the official diagnosis was um, bruised ribs, a bruise, bruised spleen, and a torn kidney. And, of course, I... I'm only 14. I didn't know exactly what that meant for me mm-hmm. medically or physically. I just knew I wanted to get back out there as soon as possible to play. So um, the the doctors pretty much told us how how you know how vital the injury was, and there was a lot of internal bleeding, and we have to tend to everything that week. Like we needed to start a biopsy to see where I am as far as like my organs, and they wanted to do a lot of blood work just to test, you know, make sure nothing else was out of place. So. We didn't know how extreme the injury was at the time, me or my mom. So it started from there. So initially you're told that your injuries are very serious. And what kind of treatment was prescribed for you at that um, time? I was told to sit out for three years. And we, we of course, did some antibiotics, um, a little bit of things like um, anything to, to heal the insides. Mm-hmm. Like I was put on a 
low potassium diet, um, low sodium, and um, anything we could do to just keep the blood work flowing or get good blood work results and keep my activities at a low so I could recover internally. And so how did you actually do this, go through this routine, this treatment routine for, for the three years? Oh, so that's that's a that's a really, really crazy story because um, I was told not to play football or any physical activities for the next three years. But after about two months and we were toward the end of the season, the doctors left it solely up to me and my mother to make the decision whether or not to play. Hmm. And. It, it sounds crazy thinking about it as an adult looking back to give us that type of power, medically speaking, um, if my injuries were, were really that severe, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I, I looked at my mom with the, you know, crybaby eyes and I explained to her like, hey, I'm the only athlete in the family. This is our opportunity to make it. And I, I don't know. I was thinking mature for my age, I guess. Um, I, I just wanted to make the big leagues and get my family out of a sticky situation. So, of course, I kind of sweet talked her and everything. And I was like, Mom, I'm, I'm the team captain. Like, you got to <laughs> let me come back. And so she made the decision to let me play the rest of the season, which were about two or three games left, including the Chili Bowl is what we called it in Gravel Ridge. And it was like the all-time big game with Jacksonville. And they were all rivals and everything. So mm-hmm. it was no way I wanted to miss that game. So we made the decision for me to come back that season and continue and play the rest of the season. And how did that decision impact your yeah, life? So, of course, I had a I had a really well end of the season. I'm, you know, um, leading rusher and everything. And it was it, it played out really well. But I always had this pain in my back that I really didn't pay attention to because I thought it was from just over-exercising or over-training or over-exalting myself a little bit. But I didn't I didn't take the time to realize that I was actually in pain. I just thought, hey, training three times a day is getting to me, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm turning 15, I'm not really worried. I'm going into high school where it's this big glamorous stage of like, oh yeah, like I get to really show out <laughs> for our seniors and everything. Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe I'll have a senior that likes me. You know, <laughs> I was thinking like a kid at the time, but uh, really I just wanted to play and so, um, that led me to to severe pains my freshman year in that freshman season. I I had severe back pains and I didn't realize how much damage I was actually doing. So you were you were having these issues, these physical issues. Mm-hmm. So uh, at some point you consulted a doctor, right? And what happened? So um, I had a really great freshman year and I actually played basketball and ran track that year too. The only the huge issue that led up to the medical um, examination was I had got to the point to where I was urinating um, blood a little bit or really more so than a lot. And I had a kidney stone. Um, and so going into, I think it was the end of track season that summer or that spring. And we went to go do um, a physical exam to do two a days or summer camp or pretty much as football for summer train up to next season. My blood pressure was like 180 over 110. Wow. And they they couldn't believe it because here I am. I look healthy. I'm 15 year old, you know, like I'm, I'm you know, team captain again. You know, it's, it's one of those things to where it's just like, are you OK? And so um, they did a blood work. They did some blood work. They were like, maybe you need to be transferred over to UAMS for further examination and uh, we did another biopsy and that's when I found out I had end stage renal failure. So that year at the end of my freshman year, ninth grade. So you are at this point, you're 15 turning 15. 15. Mm-hmm. So you're 15 and you learned that you got 
end stage renal failure. Right. What happens next? Um, we we were clueless. You know, um, my my family. It we don't have kidney disease in our family. You know, we don't have hypertension really bad in our family. This was like the first medical diagnosis in our family or diagnosis that that was this severe, especially to be so young. And my mom was frozen, my grandma was frozen, my brothers, you know, they were young too, so they didn't know exactly what to do. And um, it it was a shock. It was, and just thinking about it now, I feel the pain that I felt when I was 15. It was- Oh, I can imagine. It was scary, you know, like I, you know, I'm trying not to cry now, cause you know, I, I, I was so confused. I didn't know what that was. And I thought, again, this is just a minor injury that mm-hmm. I can come back from. And um, I'll be playing next next season. You know, this is my scouting season. I'm going to be a sophomore. This is my chance to win scholarships. And you know, and here I am being told that I have end stage renal failure. What is that? That was our question. What is that? So were you were you given any um, hope of of a, of a treatment option, or uh, were you told at that time that a transplant might be your only treatment option? Yes. Um, the, the option we had was to prolong um, the stay from, like, well, pretty much preventing dialysis. We could um, do a diet or we could sort of put you on medications that would prolong the process before we have to put you on dialysis. And, mm-hmm. of course, again, the question is, what is that? And um, they there, there was really the inevitable uh, that the doctor said we have no choice at this point but dialysis is going to be in the future we just want to prolong it as much as possible so you can be a normal kid and finish out you know freshman year um finish out school as normal as possible and the 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 real concern we had at that point was to normalize me as much as possible and to make me as comfortable as possible because i was one of the youngest you know patients they've seen with Mm -hmm. end-stage renal failure so it was sort of hard to explain to me or my family exactly what the steps or the precautions was at that point. And so, um, yeah, pretty much we were told dialysis was inevitable, but we weren't explained the process of dialysis or what it was at that time. So wh- did you actually um, begin dialysis treatment at some point prior right to Right before my 16th birthday. Um, they we, We've managed to go long enough throughout that spring and that summer to keep me from um, being on dialysis so early. And eventually it got to the point to where I was showing a lot of signs of like, um, of course, organ failure. And um, I was retaining a lot of fluid in my my skin and my body. Um, I couldn't, you know, use the restroom as frequently as I, I used to be. I was I was swelling up everywhere. And uh, the steroids played a huge role at my weight gain at that point. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much knew sports were out of the questions at that point. And I was, I was depressed. I was sad. I was just a kid, you know, so it, it was for me, I, I took it very personal. I didn't want to follow any precautions. I didn't want to follow the diet. I didn't want to do any of that because I just felt it was so unfair. You know, just at the time I, I was just, I just felt like it was just completely unfair. Yeah, of course. You know? So having been dealt, you know, a, a, a blow, mm-hmm. you received some information that most adults would be grappling with, but you're 15 at the time. Right. Um, how did that, you know, that's the age that, that so many kids are dreaming about their future. Right. What am I going to do? Right. What am I going to be when I grow yeah, up? Yeah, exactly. What, 
What about you? What what were you doing then? Um, oh, honestly, I, I I remember I I cried most of my nights, and I, I didn't know what the plan was after that. You know, I was I was very gifted at art, and I, I've won a lot of art contests up to that point, fifth grade you know, seventh grade and always told myself if sports wasn't the the path for me, I would do something creative with art, you know, and um, I was talented enough to like, you know, have that gift to draw and that that was sort of mending my depression at the time. So um, I attended school a lot less, you know, um, going into my 10th grade year. And I was too ashamed to tell my friends and family like the, the real the real problem, you know, my friends were like, dude, why aren't you out here? You know, and I'm like, oh, I, I got hurt. I gotta, I gotta heal up some more. Remember the injury in eighth grade? Yeah, I gotta. And I was too ashamed to tell them. Like, I'm actually starting Dallas this 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 fall. I didn't know how to express. Like, I guess um, I didn't know how to express that to my friends without being called the sicko kid or. You know, oh, he's ill. Oh, mm-hmm. he's gonna die. And mm-hmm. you know, I was I was just too ashamed to like attend class because I didn't want my friends to know the true me that here's the vegetable of a guy or the vegetable of a team captain I used to be or the vegetable of a football player running back or a basketball player that I used to be I was ashamed at that time so your friends didn't know all that you were going through at that time not at all so at some point your your health clearly is not improving Mm -hmm. at what point were you told Dialysis, you can you can remain on dialysis, but your best option is a transplant. Um, I, I, I remember vividly that dialysis were, it was pretty much the only option at the time because um, to make the transplant list, I think it was, it was, um, I, I, I'm, I can't get into details because I'm not sure and I don't want to like miss misinterpreted anything. Perhaps you but, weren't um, perhaps you weren't sick enough at that right, time to be right. placed. It was pretty on the early to determine list. a transplant, mm-hmm. but we knew Dallas's was uh, I mean the doctor said clearly Dallas's was inevitable. And um he explained the process to my mom and I remember the day clearly he he they came in with a chart and a team and explained the process, explained the difference between hemodialysis and peritoneal dialysis. And the best option for me at the time, being younger, was peritoneal dialysis. It was still fairly new. It was somewhat of a home version right, of dialysis and everything. Home. And it would allow me the freedom as a 15-year-old, as a teenager, to still you know, continue to attend school and everything. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember seeing the chart of the catheter and how I would have to go throughout the whole process and six to eight hours a night and everything. And I remember I, I, I shed a whole bunch of tears and I grabbed my mom and I said, mom, you know, can you please let me die? And I, you know, I, I remember that because I feel like I completely broke her. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact I completely broke her at that time. Cause I, I was thinking about like, no girls is there. There's nobody that's going to want me. There's nobody that's going to accept me. Right. Um, I'm no longer going to be an athlete, you know. My whole platform is gone, you know. So she had to make the decision for me, you know. Lucky I was, I was um, young enough, or it wasn't my decision because the doctor said death is the next is the next step is is pretty much death. And my mom, of course, she she has five boys, and here's her her superstar, and he's dying in front of her, and he's asking her to let let him die. So. I remember that day was was a, a a reality check that 
my life is no longer going to be normal. I cannot imagine what you, know. you and your family must have been experiencing mm -hmm. at that moment and then after just trying to consider what the future might might be. Right. But your story has a happy ending. Oh, yeah. Tell us about when you learned that you were going to receive a transplant. Well, again, I, I would like to reiterate that they, they did remove both of my kidneys. So it was um, a point of of um, just everything up to that point, like um, not being able to urinate for several years, um, just being on dialysis every single night, eight hours a night, and the the complete disbelief. Like I, I literally hung up on them because I didn't believe it, you know. And then I got the call again, you know. And, um, Wait, I'm sorry. Are you saying you? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, so you I received the call from yeah. the transplant center, yes. And you were in such disbelief, you hung up. I did. I did. I I didn't believe it. I, I mean, and I, you got to understand that I thought it was a joke because I feel like, you know, I had one of my friends and actually my little brother played a joke on me like that before. <laughs> you know, I got to the point where I was used to it. But mm -hmm. at the time, like, I just didn't believe it. And so when I got the call again and it was like, Anthony Freeman, right? And I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> They're like, hey, listen, this is this is serious. Um, we may need you to prep within the next 24 hours. We We have a kidney for you. And I just dropped the phone, you know. I didn't know who to call, how to call, where to call. Uh, I, <laughs> I, was in, I, I was in so much shock and like- Were you I, alone at that moment? I was alone. <laughs> okay. I was alone and um, it, I had a couple of roommates at the time, but I had, to, I had to lay down and process everything and I just cried and I just couldn't believe it. You know, I was just, uh, <laughs> oh man, wow. Like it was just one of those moments where you just cannot it just words just don't yeah, do it. Absolutely. It's just don't do it. And yeah, like, it's just a feeling of, of I finally can breathe. Like, oh man, if you if you just had seven years of turmoil just just and waste just thrown at you and just lifted off of you, it's just like a feeling of like you know, yeah, I can breathe again. Lifting. Like, wow. You know, I just can't explain it. It's so hard every time I try to try to explain, I get that excitement and it's like, oh yeah, that's right, I got a kidney now and I'm, <laughs> I'm still living the moment and I still can't believe I'm sitting here talking to you guys and, and, and reiterating that moment. It's just like, wow, uh, I still, I'm still in disbelief, you know? Well, you know, and that comes across, it's very clear that you, you know, do not take that transplant for granted. Not at all. Um, and I can imagine that it's something that you think about every morning when you right. wake up. Oh yeah. So what has all of this, because that's a lot, that, mm -hmm. that is a huge life-changing experience right. for anyone. But again, for someone so young, um, right in the time of life when you're starting to figure out who you are, right. fortunately, again, your story has a happy ending. Mm -hmm. But what has all of this, what have you learned from all of this? Oh, one thing I've learned was I, I definitely understand the the trajectory life can go no matter how much control you think you have or no matter what you think you are or what you can be, you don't know exactly the extent of your, your being or your well-being or you don't know the extent of your power or your ambition until it's, it's literally pushed on the brink of like testing, you know. Um, mm -hmm. there, it just taught me that there's no limitation. There, there's literally like so so many people say that for motivation and so many people say it to like get you going, get you up and like pick your spirit up. But there there's literally, literally no limitation as to where we can go mentally, physically, spiritually. You know, um, I, I just I just thought about the remarkable journey of like 
being pushed to the edge, actually having a seizure and flatlining for a little bit during the whole stay, you know, um, and being brought back that just, just reliving that journey is so unreal. It's so unreal. And I was taught like, wow, there's, we're incredible beings. Like the creation of humans itself, it's, it's an incredible creation. Like there's, oh man, there's so much, I would, there's so many paths I want to take with that. You know, it's, it's like, I was taught how to be a man. I was taught, you know, that it just taught me like, no matter what, like literally life can be the worst it can ever get. And you have the option to climb out of it. There is always an option. There's no, there's no option here. There's always an option to be better, make better decisions, have better choices, have better opinions. You know, there's always an option to to switch your mood, to switch your your energy. You know, there's there's always options. There's mm-hmm. no limitations on how we can grow as human beings. That's exactly what it taught me, and oh. I'm still learning. You know, that's incredible, Anthony. That is, that is. Such an incredible story to have come. It's incredible and inspiring and aspirational in many aspects as well um, to have had something so positive to come from a very, very difficult situation right. that you worked through yes, ma'am. with support, though, correct? Oh, man. Uber support. <laughs> you know, so many people. Um, if I get to naming people, people <laughs> would literally call me. I'm like, why didn't you name me? What? But you know, there's so, so many groups of people that kept my head up. Um, a couple of my close friends, my best friends, and man, he's still around today. She's still around today. There's so many people I still thank, you know, including this program. Like, there's, there's, there's so many. There's the list goes on. You know, I could, I could go back to Pulaski Tech. I can go back to my best friend Troy Green. You know, I can go back to even my mother, my grandma. Oh man, she is my biggest cheerleader. Oh man, grandmas are like, you know. <laughs> The, the token heroes, uh, the, the undevouted token heroes. Like, oh my gosh, she was, you know, I chose to live with her. My mom and my brothers moved out. And um, she's been my hero the whole time. She, she, she literally kept the family together. She kept my head together. And she showed me what was possible. So, you know, there's, of course, so many people, you know, I got to thank. But, of course, it, it, it took a team for me to be here. Absolutely. I will and- never, never, ever leave that out or despite that fact or anything, you know. We're so happy that you came to share your story today. Yes, ma'am. Great story. But before we go, I, you're an athlete. Mm-hmm. I can't help but notice you've got a cast in your <laughs> leg. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, um, <laughs> so, yes, um, I got a little happy with my legs, so to speak. Um, I'm running track now. Um, I, I do a little basketball. I teach a youth group. And um, track is pretty much my main sport now. And I kind of got to the point to where I felt confident and overtraining myself again. And, um, <laughs> you know, I went to step up to hurdles. Um, I actually have uh, the, the track coach from CBC. He's actually uh, the track coach for Conway Christian, and he's my personal track coach as well. And so training with him, I stepped up to hurdles and kind of snapped my knee and tore my Ouch. ACL and my meniscus in the process of oh my gosh. stepping up to hurdles, that one practice. And um, the ACL injury happened last year, but um, – the meniscus injury happened this year. So it was like, they canceled the rest of the season, COVID kind of happened. And for me, it was kind of a good time because if I want to continue to push the sports narrative, surgery was pretty much inevitable. So yeah. the fact that the whole season was canceled, I consulted with my doctors and we were like, yeah, it's, it's pretty much still torn. You know? and so we went ahead and went ahead with the surgery. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> here I am with the crutches, but 
is going to give me a titanium knee, so to speak, so I can compete in the transplant games. Well, that's that was <laughs> the next thing I wanted to ask you about. So you you have been a member of Team Arkansas for the transplant right. games in the past. Uh, what events did you participate in before? I participated in um, track and field, basketball, and I think um, there was a marathon. There's a the 5K marathon, and um, I'm I'm more so with the physical sports. And this year, I was planning on courting a hole with one of the buddies, uh, one of the younger guys that's actually on the team. He figured out that we we were both pretty good at corner hole, and uh, he was like, "Man, you know, like, I, can I have you as a partner this time?" And um, th- those those games are actually a story within itself because I was going back and forth from a track meet to the basketball tournament that we had progressed in. So it was like as soon as I got done with the two hundred meter, I got on a transfer bus and we went straight to the arena. And then I played basketball with the with the t- with the kids, or and it was just like. Back and forth, back and forth, and Anthony was everywhere. But the kids, oh man, they they stayed in my hotel. Of course, uh, everybody was so happy to let the kids be in my room. And of course, they got a breather, and um, they brought the game system in my room. And every year has been like that. Every transplant games, all the kids come in my room. Everybody knows that Anthony is going to have fun, and um, we're we're pretty much like I, I guess I can say I'm the team leader a little bit with uh, the younger kids with Team Arkansas. So. I try to I try to do what I can so they'll have someone to look up to as well. So, well, what a positive statement that mm-hmm. makes about you that all the kids want to be with you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm sure their parents are so grateful. Yes, Anthony, I know how much you love athletics. Mm-hmm. You had some time when you were not able to participate quite as much as you might have wanted to. It's great that you're already training for the transplant games. Right. Do you have anything else going on athletic wise that you are? really excited about? So, yes, very excited. Um, There was a a program called Next Olympic Hopeful that I sort of slipped upon, donated, or it actually was sponsored by what's called Milk Life. And um, basically, they get a group of athletes around the nation, actually around the world, and we kind of make our pitch uh, as to why we're the Next Olympic Hopeful. And there's these series of cuts, just like any other job interview. And um, I happen to be the only person for Arkansas to make it to the next step of the interview. (laughs) And if all goes well, I will definitely be on the show called The Next Olympic Hopeful. That is incredibly exciting. Yes. That is really, so this is. is sort of a reality show? Sort of. Pretty much. Oh, my gosh. That's really exciting. Yes. You will definitely let us irradiate know when that happens, <laughs> you right? You know it. You know and it. we'll have you back on to talk yes, about that show. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Anthony, have you met any of your um, your your donor family members? Um, I've, I've yet to have the chance. And um, Is it something you're hoping for? That's something I'm really praying for. Like, um, if, if anything... Everything I do as far as education, as far as sports, as far as me um, going to different places, you know, or or schools even, you know, I, I get invited to, you know, middle schools. I got invited to Sylvan Hills to do a speech, you know, and um, I, I try to reiterate the fact that there's, there's, there's sun spirit in me. They wanted me to be as comfortable as possible knowing that we, we've, we've sent the letter and, you know, um, we're, we're trying to reach the family but it's, it's a process and yeah and i'm respecting the process but um everything i do I'm, I'm remembering that there's someone else in me as well we're both doing this that that opportunity that they didn't get is it's literally trajected through me I, I want that to be very clear that i do everything for the sake of that soul that's connected to me now you know and um if i could just tell their parents their their, their family 
like, hey, see me, you know, please notice me. You know, this is this is all for us. You know, it's not a me thing. It's not Anthony Freeman anymore. You know, this is all us, you know, like, please just 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 hear me out when I say everything I do is for us now. My family, your family, my peers, your peers. You know, this is this is the whole point of me living again. This is my second life. And I want to just just really lift up your son's spirit. And so that this is it. This is what he would have done. This is what they would have done. You know, so this is my second breath, you know, and I, I just want to make it as refreshing as possible. You know, what a, what a powerful and profound perspective. So, Anthony, I, I know mm -hmm. that you have some scout, some talent and skill in art, visual mm -hmm. arts. Um, do you think that that will influence anything that you might want to do career wise oh, at course. some point? Um, so. I will say this. I remember my my English teacher in high school. She joked on me one time, and she was just like, "Dude, why don't you think about being an architect?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know what that is, but I'll look into it." And when I found out what architect was, when I found out, you know, who exactly all of these people were, and how you can create art and the physical being, and I was mm -hmm. like, "Wow." Wait, I heard artists are broke though, you know, and um, it, that that's that's that was a uh, that was like me saying, or that was more so my teacher saying, hey, if you want your art to manifest in the physical world, like this is somewhat up your alley. I see you over there always building with your pencils and paper, and you know I used to make paper buildings and kind of draw on it like my house one day and stuff like that, or I'll just draw like lavish houses mm -hmm. just in class doodling and. You know, I didn't know it could lead to a career when I found out there's a career in it. Oh man, my passion for architecture just skyrocketed when I turned 18. And so um, I wanted my art to be in the form of architecture as I got older and I always wanted to be a Razorback. Little did I know, University of Arkansas had the only architecture program in the state. And here I am, you know, like leading up to that process. And mm -hmm. um, of course, like that, that was the skill or that, that was the main um, educational path that I wanted to pursue. That was the main endeavor. But I, I kind of met a girl and I kind of wanted to stay in Little Rock and I kind of <laughs> wanted to stay around my family. So I didn't pursue U of A mm -hmm. and I actually pursued Euler in the process, which led to architectural engineering. And so, um, I that sounds got, like a good choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of people that I've met up to that point because of, um, of course, the, the history I had at Pulaski Tech at the time, mm -hmm. and I was a valedictorian for Pulaski Tech, an academic all-star, which kind of skyrocketed like everything, you know? And so I, I, I got enough uh, people behind me to lead me to the career I am in now. So um, here I am studying construction engineering. And um, I, I gotta say, it's pretty interesting that to, to make that switch and for it to all men together mm -hmm. as to one, because they'll they'll really never be an end to building as we were talking about earlier. They'll, they'll never be uh, us expanding. There'll never be a stop to that. So it's like, it's so interesting, especially studying it and actually being in the field at the same time. So mm -hmm. I'm here now, you know. So how far into your studies are you? I am a senior this year. Excellent. <laughs> Literally <laughs> one more or one and a half semesters to go. And um. I don't want to say I'm looking forward to it, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> sure that you are. I'm ready to graduate, you know. Well, good luck to you. Mm -hmm. Best wishes on all of your projects from it. what you're doing at school to your athletics. It sounds like you are in a really good position right now to really let yourself be the person that you were meant to be. Yes, Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. If you have any questions for us, please call 501-907-9150 
And if you're ready to make a life-restoring decision and register to become an organ, tissue, and eye donor, go to DonateLifeArkansas.org. Radiate is a production of Aurora and is hosted by Audrey Coleman, Aurora's Director of Communications. Copyright 2020.